Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Good evening and God bless you for tuning in to another matriculation of Springboard, your virtual university. Springboard is a multimedia, educational and personal development broadcast dedicated to bringing out the best in you and running since August 2008. Springboard is brought to you by Legacy and Legacy and your superstition Joy 99.7 FM. Bill Gates says that the first rule of any technology used in a business is that automation applied to an efficient operation will magnify the efficiency. The second rule is that automation applied to an inefficient operation will magnify the inefficiency. Amen. (laughs) And that is Bill Gates on a Sunday. All right. The overarching theme for springboard interventions in the year 2018, the virtual university, the roadshow and every intervention in this group will be leveraging strategy and technology leveraging strategy and technology and over the next few weeks we'll be previewing what 2018 holds for everyone in this virtual university and all our interventions but ahead of the full rollout of this next year we are launching a series this september on springboard your virtual university simply called smart solutions and if you want to talk about smart solutions you bring smart people simple and so tonight i have two smart people in the studio and comfort has lifted up a hand for reasons other than that for which they are here i won't tell i won't tell you <laughs> All right, so it, it, I have on my left Professor Robert Iwohinson of the University of Ghana Business School, a big friend of the virtual university, and he's, he's been here quite a few times. We always enjoy it when Robert is here. Robert, welcome to the Springboard. Thank you very much. I have also here Eric Nsako, somebody that we appreciate who was with us here last year and also was with us on the road on Springboard, the roadshow, as well as the virtual university. Eric Nsako is the sales and distribution executive of MTN Ghana. Eric, welcome to Springboard. Thank you. Right, right, right. I enjoyed the last time you were here. Very insightful thoughts that we shared. And so we thought you, the two of you would help us break down this very, very seminal theme because this will be the foundation on which our discussions will thrive for the next couple of months building up into the year 2018 which is a very key year for us. And so tonight with us, we talk about smart solutions. We want to start from the personal front. We'll move later to the corporate front and then before we introduce technology, we'll talk about what exactly it is meant to do so that we can understand it better and not limit ourselves and think technology is for technical people only. We want to start with the fundamentals. So let's even start with personal life improvement. So do human beings want to get better? Are we naturally predisposed to get better? Let me start with you, Eric. Are we by nature looking for improvement as individuals? I believe we are, and I'm happy that we are connecting these two themes, I would say, finally, because I've not, I'm yet to see a society or an individual who is not aspiring to be more efficient, to create better innovation in their life, to solve problems in different ways, to think, expand their thinking horizons, and these types of things. And as we explore the things that constrain us in a country like Ghana, I, I often hear the debate about um, which ideas are superior to others or which initiatives have worked better. But I think the collective process of adopting better technologies, transformational engines, renewal within the way that we operate has not really been addressed. And for as long as you try to do things as one-off, and it's today a comment about a road project, and tomorrow it's about a water project, and it's a housing project the next day. And we are not taking care of the fact that the engine itself, the execution bit of what we do, requires systems, requires technology, requires transformation. We end up always unhappy with the outcome. Your background is in engineering. Among others. <laughs> Among others. Right. Does it influence the way you process a discussion about technology? Definitely. I'm 
my engineering credentials are my most important. It's the only one in my passport. So um, I, 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 th- I, I think through problems in a, in a way that leverages that. But I'm a people person. I'm a salesman. Right. So what I do today is to enter markets, I go into consumer events, I go into engagement platforms, and I go to look for the people. And what I see is the that... engineering dimension. The engineering comes when it comes. But um, <laughs> the, 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 the people are connected to that based on the fact that engineering itself is, at the end of the day, taking science and delivering it to people, to societies, right. which we haven't done too well in this part of the world. Right. Robert, before we even go into the detail, one of the reasons why today's program and and the first set of programs is departing from going into core technologies that I can tell you that there are several people out there, just the mention of technology, they back off or they cringe and they say, I'm not a technology person. Mm. I I met an engineer who also is anti-reading. And so when, I, when we wrote our first book and we're launching it, he said, listen, I don't read. So I'll come because it coincided with our wedding and rest, 11th wedding and rest. He said, I'll come because you're Andreshi, but I don't read. And that's a bad engineer. But, but, <laughs> he, I mean, that, that's what he told us. He says, if, if it's calculations and so on, I'm very comfortable. When he's reading, it's not my thing. But interestingly, he, he got the book and then the first thing was a story about the hawk and the chicken. He liked it. So he read the story. Then he said, let me continue a little. Before he realized it was chapter five. So in his mind, he has blocked reading, and yet when he engaged it, he found it interesting. Robert, in this discussion that we are going to have, ultimately we will end up with technology and how it will make life better. But yes. for the benefit of the, the professor listening out there, the pastor listening out there, the politician listening out there, the makola woman listening out there, yes. it's not the technology is just a means to an end. I agree. So the foundation is life improvement. Yes, Give us please. your foundational thoughts on the whole concept of life improvement. Well, thank you very much. You you failed to mention that Eric was my senior in school, so mm-hmm. I'll be deferring a lot to him tonight. But having said that, um, he started by saying that we Prof- desire... Prof- professors have no seniors. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the scheme of things, we all want to get better, we all want to improve, but let me add an important dimension to, to set a certain base. What we are also desiring today are experiences. You see, so now life has moved on from just consumption to experiences. So we had a product era, we had a service era, now we're in an experience economy. I think we need to start from there. So even though we are aspiring to get better, we're also desiring good experiences. People have rising affluence. They are short of time. They have more choice. So, yes, we want to improve. But I guess one of the fundamental things that's undergirding these social shifts and the way we are conducting ourselves is the fact that we all desire excellent experiences. Two, three years ago, I was out of the country when somebody gave $400 million plus to Harvard University. And I was telling Eric just before we came in that if you go to the Harvard Facebook page right now, the first video you find there is a new MSMBA. The engineering school and the business school are marrying, and they are coming up with a brand new master's program that takes the best of what you are saying, which is the technology, and takes the best of the MBA program. They are mining to create new leaders who will be the Zuckerbergs and the jobs of the future. So people want to get better. They want to have skills that are attuned to the market, and they want to be able to rise to the expectations of a changing marketplace. So, yes, people want to improve. People want to light for experiences. And for me, technology is just a facilitator. Look, you can put $100 million into IT in a university, and people in a four-year MBA program in semester four still don't have ID cards. I mean, how can you reconcile such an anomaly? So the issue is, like you quoted Bill Gates at the beginning, if you don't quite understand what you're applying the technology to, society will not improve, customers will not have good choices, and people generally cannot make the kind of change in their life that they find satisfactory to where they want to go. So I think people want to improve, but experience too is where everybody's at right now. And these two words are very pivotal to our discussion. Eric, let me come back to you. You deal with people. You, 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 you provide solutions products, services, and what, what Robert would call experiences. And, and, and rightly, he's saying that the person today who sits in the church service is looking for an experience. The person who bought an airline is looking for an experience. Let Break it down. What are the areas of 
improvement? What are the experiences that the typical user of a service, the typical, I mean, listen to Ecobank's, listen to Ecobank's ATM, LPM. You can see it's carefully written to give you a certain anticipation about the new building you are about to go into. They say they have smart, they have customer-friendly staff, they have smart, intelligent ATMs that can give you the chance to deposit. Everything seems to be geared towards selling you a certain experience. From the customer perspective, what are the key touch points? Previously, it will be discount, lower charges, mm. but I'm sure the discussion goes way beyond that. Give us some of the touch points that customers would look for in the experience economy. You see, I like to I like to quote um, Christine Lagarde, the, the, the head of the IMF, and she says something that I find quite instructive, that for a society to prosper, you need to take care of efficiency, innovation, trade, and investment, those four. And I, I tend to agree because um, you, you, you realize that every time that uh, there's distress somewhere, in a country, an institution, people have to go and identify what are the priority themes that if you tackle, the whole system of innovation can, can renew itself. And um, it is a very delicate effort at that stage because obviously competing interests um, attack each other and everybody wants to be high priority. Everybody wants to say that what they are asking for is what should happen now. But thinking minds have to sit back at such times and look at what are those key critical areas that when you touch with a few interventions, most of the time there's some technology involved, but like we've all identified, there is also the fact of vanguards and people and um, just mobilization platforms and frameworks and so on that you can apply. But we have to constantly have that list that when you unlock, innovation comes back. And then you can have a wave that you know, suddenly just foils itself to take care of other problems. All right, so we walk into a shop, Argos. Of course, these days, I mean, everybody buys online, but we walk mm. into an Argos shop to buy a particular product that we, we cited in their, in their catalog. Um, catalog. Yeah. And we happen to be on, on the street, so we walk into an Argos shop. There was quite a crowd there, so we were like, should we have probably gotten this thing online? Well, we are in here already, so we mm. go. First of all, to your right, there is a digital um, tablet on the wall. You just punch the code of the, subject, the, the, the item you want. It prints a slip for you, and you know you are number 413. And you ask yourself, 413, when will you get to my tent? There's a huge crowd in the place. You check, and on the screen somewhere, they say they are on number 4379. Um, You're like, then it tells you how long approximately you are likely to wait. And it sounds like a very short time. You're like, how mm-hmm. can they move from that time to get to 413? Mm-hmm. But guess what? There are a number of... A number mm-hmm. of um, people seven and seven po- and it's moving very efficiently mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. nobody's asking anybody anything the mm-hmm. number keeps going three what three seven nine three four eight, eight mm-hmm. zero three you go to four hundred four then you finally see four one one four one two then one four one three goes up you just walk there just pick your thing up you pay your money and you are off and you calculate and it's just about seven minutes mm-hmm. meanwhile the crowd looks so big you you thought it would probably be a, a fight in a queue mm-hmm. none of such mm-hmm. For the customer standing in that experience, mm-hmm. I'm sure there are even higher levels that we can talk about as we go along, mm-hmm. but what do you walk away with? You see, you walk ar- away with uh, delight. You walk away with a feeling of having got your money's worth, having got your outings worth, um, because you, 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 you feel good about what happened. Behind that, there would always be at least five or six systems. That queuing system is just one of them, but there will be a feedback system. So that agent who dealt with you knows very well that in real time, there's going to be a certain sense of your takeout from that interaction. Right. There will be other um, systems that have gone into innovating that experience in itself. So you're saying there's the front that the customer will typically see, then yes. there's the back office. Which one is bigger? Frankly, I think the back office needs to be, I mean, in my view, it needs to be lean because it needs to be part of the front office as far as I'm concerned, you know. What you are doing in the back office is enabling the front office. So for as long as it becomes a counterweight, um, you already have a bit of a challenge because then operations is beginning to lean into the area of what the customer must be taking out. But the back office is enabling the front office. So um, it should be properly allocated to support that activity and ensure that the customer who is coming out 
gets that confidence that this brand is actually speaking to me. Right. Speaking to, speaking to me, I'll borrow those words and come back to you, Professor Hinson. I know when it comes to experience, economy, when it comes to these kinds of discussions, there are things you feel very, very passionate about. And you tend to be quite comparative because you want to compare what is happening in one jurisdiction with another. Let me come back to you with the same question about touch points. Yes, what please. are the things in terms of ranking? When I mentioned price as being one of the big definers of experience in the past, you just simply shook your head. Yes. I to say it's not a big issue anymore. Yes. So what are the big issues today that are driving the customer decision, the customer experience, and how are they ranked in the mind of the customer? Okay, that's a very fascinating question. So let me just draw on some empirical research we've been doing over, over the years. Um, we did some work six, seven years ago looking at two, three thousand retail customers in Ghana, finding out what the biggest drivers of opening and maintaining a bank account was and then we did some follow-up research looking at how brand preferences are made in the banking sector so we conceptualized experience on three broad levels one was the quality of the human interface and then two we looked at quality the quality of the knowledge to answer customer queries and then we looked at the almighty issue of technology and we, we thought intuitively that because we're in an m era e era b era technology will come out top guess what we found the number one predictor of quality in Ghana's banking sector, especially from the retail segment, mm-hmm. was the quality of the human interface. The human beings you meet, I interact with them. And then, knowledge to answer customer queries came third. And then technology was last, which was very interesting for us because we felt like, wow, we, technology should have come out to because these were 19 year olds, 20 year old, first year, second year students who are on mobile phones and on social media. Run the, run, the, run the ranking by me again, number one. Quality of the human interface, the human beings you meet right. in the fiscal structure when you arrive. Right. And then knowledge to answer customer queries at the customer t- touch point. And the last thing was the quality of the technology or technological products that, that the bank has. This is what we found. Now, interestingly, other colleagues of mine have done research on banking, looking at customer service, quality relation management, and so on and so forth. And this issue of knowledge to answer customer queries keeps coming up over and over and over again. Look, I've been now in this technological age. Even three to five minutes is too long to come back with an answer to a customer. In fact, people are developing apps. Amazon is developing apps to predict your, your future purchases. So they're actually moving to the point where they are looking to send you stuff even before you want to order them. That's where we are all going. And in this Uber type of age and Amazon type of age, I mean, like, if you have somebody who's muffling their lines in brick-and-mortar formats, it's bad. But in virtual formats where you don't have a human interface, it's even worse when you you can't manage the back-end properly, like Eric was speaking to it, and give timely answers to afford the customer convenience. You see, the critical thing is convenience. Right. You spoke about Argos. I Google them right now. Right. They say they differentiate themselves on two main things. Convenience. And then giving the customer the ability to make affordable choices. Convenience and affordability. That, that's what I saw when I Googled Argos right now. So for me, customer experience is about the quality of the human interface and then also about knowing to answer customer queries and then also, like I spoke to it, the quality of your technological infrastructure. But just because you spoke about comparison, one other thing that's driving this whole experience economy is this issue of globalization. Nowadays, no country is immune to an influx of people coming from outside to compete and we are also internationalizing. Once globalization kicks in, people's service thresholds begin to change. Because when he walks into a La Palme, he's compared with the Singaporean experience, the London experience, the experience in Cape Town, right. and what he experienced in uh, maybe Munyonyo when he went to Uganda. So it, it, it's increasing people's service thresholds as well in terms of what they can compare to. I mean, I was in the Potter's house in 2011. Bishop Dix is in Ghana today. Trust me. I still remember that Sunday like it was yesterday right. because the experience was just world class. He launched the book by Sarita Jakes, bought a copy for my wife. The service was brilliant. I still remember the music because the whole church service was a mammoth experience. That's how you keep people clued in, patronizing you, and keep referring you to others anytime they have the opportunity. Now we're in an experience economy. Anything that, give me con- that gives me convenience, I will opt for. That's where we are going. 
because we are hard pressed for time. 28 uh-huh. minutes past the hour of seven, and he says anything that gives him convenience, he will go for it. Look at your mission statement. Look at the key words that drive your business or the key words you highlight in your business. Find out whether they are the same kind of words that were bandied about in the early 70s and the 80s or your, your, your core values and your, your business mission is reflecting what are the key issues of the year 2017. And he says, I just Googled Argos. Why? Because that is the propensity today. If the person dealing with you today wants to simply go out and say, what do you stand for and what do you believe in? Eric, this is ultimately supposed to make us get better. And definitely it would seem that any business that is able to respond to these critical issues, quality of the human interface, the physical environment if you ever have to deal with um, a physical space, the kind of environment that is there, the awareness, the product knowledge of the key people that you deal with, and then the quality of technology that is being deployed. It would seem that any business that doesn't respond rapidly to these issues, and maybe as, as Bob Riley said, anticipate what is required and be ahead of the competition will totally fade out. Will that be your perception? That's my perception. You know, at the moment, you know, if we bring it closer home, um, if I look at the last three years alone, just since 2014, um, we, for example, on the um, telco side, have seen phenomenal change. Um, in, in the year 2014, um, as, uh, 2013, as recently as 2013, on a monthly basis, you would find that we had just about 200,000 people using mobile money. I was at about um, September 2013. Um, August just ended. Um, six and a half mil- million people used it on the MTN side alone for that month. Wow. So something has happened within the society. You realize that we have um, gone from uh, my, uh, the biggest revenue line of our income statement being the voice call to uh, data. And that is on the back of a lot of smartphones that have had to go into the market. So today, instead of the usual... Um, going to five-star hotels and talking about Wi-Fi and so on and so forth. Um, my Wi-Fi deployment, which means the most to me, is on Tiptoe Lane. And I need to go there, meet the traders, meet the association, meet the the, the, the guys who are going to land smartphones because right. it is the, the smartphone that is the bearer of the data. That's right. And um, that conversation is getting more and more interesting. We have to put broadband into um, traditional palaces. And it's a completely different project, you see. And it brings us in that needed confrontation with our own heritage. Because I've had this chat with engineers who's, who came back to me and said, we went to this palace and the administrator there would not respect the original specification document that we had given. And, and I say, look, it means nothing. It means nothing in that context. Go back, humbly request that the guy guides you. Because if you go by that document, the system will never work. And that confrontation, I believe, has never happened in the past. And I think it's very important for every society because I keep using the two examples that I know most. If you log into Oracle software and you log into SAP software, one transports you into America, one transports you into Germany. And any trainer on any of those platforms will tell you to pause and understand the cultures that you are entering. That's right. Because... That is what informs the technology. That is what is going to inform the experience. And you need to be psyched up for the fact that you are not going to... If you are not in a natural synergy with the platform that you are trying to work with, you will not be productive. You will be questioning things. You will be trying to rebuild it. You will tear it apart. And in Ghana, I feel these are the opportunities that we are getting now to anchor the transformation into our own heritage. And that makes it sustainable. I mean, he has a colleague, Prof has a colleague called um, Professor Richard Boating. Mm-hmm. We chat a lot on WhatsApp and so on. And the, the last time I was telling him, you know what, I think we have a polarized society at the moment. We have middle to upper middle classes. And then we have a very important traditional base, which is mostly trading. Mm-hmm. That trading activity is what has given Ghana its stability. Mm-hmm. 
I go to many other African countries and I realize that, you know, that group has been marginalized. A lot of crime has taken root, a lot of um, despair and so on and so forth. We've got this trading activity that mm-hmm. seems to be ensuring the balance. Mm-hmm. How are we going to transform it? Because Makola is older than my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, Malata is the same. So at the end, we need to be able to look at uh, a tonaton of this world, look at an innovator of this caliber, and say that there's a certain synergy. There's something that can bring the belt hawker in uh, Medina mm-hmm. in contact with me because at the end, everybody is trying to sell to those who can pay more. There's, it's only in a crowd that you can put uh, a popo on your head and make a day's wage. If you went to uh, a very rural area, nobody would buy it. Mm. So that connection is important, yeah. that the person selling must be in contact with the person who has the purchasing power. Exactly. And technology can ensure that. So can, can I just chip in a little? Let me just give some context. It's 26 okay. minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock. And if you just stumbled on this, this log, we are having a very interesting discussion on smart solutions. My guests, Professor Robert Ebohinson and Eric Nsaku, we are trying to break down, are we looking for personal life improvement? Is it something that comes to us naturally? Should we be looking for improvement? Are there some people who don't want to improve? We'll be exploring that when we come back. And then very importantly, why do some societies progress faster than others? Is it is it God-given or is, just, is it just a, 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 a curiosity about better ways of doing things? I'll take the contribution of Robert Hinson and then, and then probably take a break and bring you a song and how we come back move this into the next level let's hear from you Prophet. just wanted to chip in um look the africa development bank says that by 2025 in africa mobile phone coverage will be almost universal and they also say that by this same 2025 the population of the continent will be like 2.3 billion mostly youth bigger than china and india so when you look at some of these demographic idiosyncrasies you, you need to start planning for where we are going. Mm-hmm. Apparently, 600 million children who are being born now will also be at the forefront of the workforce around that same 2025. This is what Africa Development Bank, Bank statistics. So as a business, if you don't think through how you are going to engage with these people and their changing preferences, you, 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 you won't do too well. Mm-hmm. So in a, there's a book I recommend to you. It's called Be Our Guest. It's, it's, it's a Disney manual for how to deliver superior customer service. All right, so for those of you watching on Facebook, you can see it in my hands. It's White an amazing background book. with the red writing. It's called Be, Be Our Guest. Guest. Perfecting the Art of Customer Service. Disney Institute with Theodore Kinney. Yes. So the and revised and updated version is going, exactly. going to be live. I mean, and you can the see it on introduction Facebook. reads like this. Once I read it, we can go on the break. It says... In this volatile business of ours, we can ill afford to rest in our laurels, even to pause in retrospect. Times and conditions change so, rap- so rapidly that we must keep our aim constantly focused on the future. Constantly focused on the future. So I'm happy about 2018 and for the springboard theme about strategy and technology, because trust me, that's one of the best ways to effectively compete for the future. We cannot rest on our hours. Effectively uh-uh. compete for the future. And it's going to be a very big discussion the whole of next year. We're going to do things on radio that we have never, ever done before because we believe with all our hearts that this is a product, this team is a result of years of research into bringing this educational experience to a whole new level. And next year, we'll do some audacious things right here on your virtual university. So from Christine Lagarde, the thoughts are this. For any society to prosper, there must be efficiency, innovation, trade, and investment. These are the thoughts of Eric Nsanko, who is the sales and distribution executive of MTN Ghana, one of my guests for tonight. Also, in the red corner... Mm-hmm. We've moved. I've moved. read McGregor. Robert says we've moved from the product economy to the service economy, and now we are inside the experience economy and the framework for judging the experience. You see, some of the touch points that are making headwaves today: the quality of the human interface, and of course, the environment the knowledge of the product and ability to answer questions, and then the quality of technology. This discussion is big on Facebook. 
the Facebook page Albert N E Okran or Comfort Okran A. And already we have so many of you listening. And Judith from London is um, Judith um, Corti from London is speaking to the Argos example, giving further details about her own experience. She stopped using them and she's back because the interface has changed. And Excellent. these are the things driving customer decisions. I'm going to take a break and bring you the song I Want to Be the Only One by Baby and Sissy Winans. When I come back, let's talk. Do some people hate improvement and why? Please don't go away. This is Springboard, your virtual university. So this is the song I want to be the only one, and it was chosen by Matthew. Typically, I would choose very solemn gospel songs, but this song was chosen by Matthew. And Springboard, we are one family, so I can't lie. Matthew Prepra Boatin, producer and member of the of the the <laughs> the, the academic board of Springboard, your virtual university, is getting married. Breaking news. Where is, the, where is the breaking news section? It's getting married on the 15th of September. It is Friday, 11 o'clock. Oh, sorry, a secret wedding. We lie bad. We will announce it. Put the camera on him. We will announce it. Please, this is the card, eh? You are invited. We are inviting you on behalf of the virtual university. Please, the wedding is at Christ Temple. It's Friday, the 15th of September, 2017, at 11 to 1. What a secret wedding for what? They are all invited. The whole virtual university is invited. Everybody, please join us at Christ Temple. Christ Temple is at Abosuka near the mosque. Friday, the 15th of September. We will announce the game next week. All right, so the song again. All right, it is 18 minutes to Professor Inside. I don't always do this. It's 18 minutes to the hour. Uh, and please, you are invited to Matthew and Priscilla's wedding. Matthew and Priscilla are both in the in the production team. Oh, no, they are both here. That's Priscilla. Please turn the camera to Priscilla. Instead of hiding behind the wedding. Yes. Uh-huh. Beautiful Priscilla. All right. So this is a discussion about smart solutions. And one of the smartest solutions Matthew provided was to select a bride and choose a song for us tonight. And we are grateful. Right. So this is Springboard Virtual University. We are looking at our series called Smart Solutions in our build-up to next year, 2018. That big year where we are focusing on leveraging strategy and strategy and technology. 
so I can see that my I'm getting feedback from my <laughs> from my live stream. So cut it for me, right? So this is the discussion about personal life improvement, and we've been talking so far about various solutions in the corporate space that seek to make life easier and the customer touch points that typically make us excited and make us happy. But is it the case that there are people who also just simply don't like improvement? I mean, are there individuals who don't want to improve? Are there companies that don't want to improve? Are there political parties that don't want to improve? Are there families that don't want to improve? Are there churches that won't, don't want to improve? Um, Eric, is it possible that there will be people also who don't want to improve? You see, I think it is actually advisable to build that into the anticipation that um, human beings will not be very comfortable with uh, change. And when people discover their zones of comfort, they try to defend them. Uh, it's, it, it's life. But um, I think where I'm going with that is that the onus is on the implementer in every situation to anticipate these barriers, to engage them, to be able to resolve which obstacles are holding up those who uh, need some edge to go along and to also give freedom to those who are actually energized to be able to uh, drive the process of change. Again, I have to say we have not done that too well. You see, I cite an example always. I was in a taxi in Singapore and we got chatting, me and the driver, and then I mentioned that, well, I actually think that our FPSO in Ghana was built in Singapore. And um, so that became quite interesting for him. But when I got to the point of it's not working too well and it's been under maintenance for a while, I liked the confidence with which he said, Singapore has very good engineers. So if the boat is not working, why have you not brought it back? You see, in my view, taxi driver. this is the taxi driver. Amazing. And the engineering has been branded. He doesn't perhaps know them by first names, by whatnot and whatnot, but it's been branded. Are we in a situation at the moment when we talk about utilities, when we talk about transport, transportation, when we talk about health, because it's a big area of engineering, when we talk about all these things, are we in a position to say that the brand has been built and that brand executes and communicates itself as excellence? We have to consciously put that in place. Nobody is going to wish it into place for us. It's important. I was wondering saying about taxi before, before, before you, you before uh, let me yes. let me throw one in that you have to add Dubai to the Singapore and then add a chain of beyond Singapore. Let me talk about a collective sense of ownership of quality. Exactly. Because yes, exactly. Because in another country, I had the same experience where the taxi driver is so passionate about selling you the country Preach. and they are doing it as if their lives depend on it. Not Preach. because they stand to gain any commission, but it's because it's been built into the national psyche and into the way they operate. That's what this one. Let me, let me break take my senior to just take, do it. I'll give it back to him. Take it, take it off. Several years ago, when Komal Dumo sat in the studio, there was a time we did an interview with the famous chairman Ishwayam said. Several years ago, and I remember Shoyam spoke about Singapore again, right. spoke about a taxi driver, right. and how he took the taxi. And the guy could articulate what the national vision of Singapore was, right. he knew how to be service oriented in order to live the brand. And this was several years ago. The question you and I need to ask ourselves is as we sit here today, what is our national development strategy looking like? What does Brand Ghana do today? What epitomizes that Brand Ghana? How is it translated into observable individual behaviors? So that if we met a Moroccan tonight, we would live as, would, would, would epitomize certain behaviors that typify that brand Ghana. Those things are sort of missing. We, we've spoken about it for a long, but it seems to go around in circles. I think one of the biggest constraints to what you are discussing is ownership by a leader who believes in it and uses it as a driving agenda for the change. Because it's all good to speak about touch points and back office and front office and customer interface. But respectfully, I think these things, they fall and rise with the leader. So I think that if you have leadership that's committed to delivering these stupendous customer experiences, then you're on your way. Otherwise, I think one of the things that kills the desire to change is political expediency. I'd rather not trample on anybody's foot, keep the status quo, let the Malays 
sort of uh, 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 fester, and then what to be will be. I remember 2004 was in Singapore again, and when the Commonwealth Secretariat Conference, and I remember people came and spoke about how they were building Singaporean brands, and how they 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 they, they employed people from Cornell and Harvard because in Singapore's public sector it was a privilege to be seen to be working there. So they shipped out all these guys to go and get excellent Ivy League and they shipped them back because they thought if the public sector worked, the private sector will also work. So I think it's a the leader and national orientation and then we can find a good way forward. Let me give you a quote a quote on leadership and then I'm gonna open the phone lines. And when you call into the phone um, call into the show, there's one question I wanted to answer. Are you looking for improvement? And where? In which area of your life are you looking for improvement? Are, are you looking for improvement, personal life improvement? In which area? Do you want things faster? Do you want things cheaper? Do you want things delivered to your doorstep? Do you want to be able to use your phone? To, what area? What which kinds of innovation, improvement are you looking for? Give me very solid answers. But let me give you a quote from... R- Rosbeth Moskanta, an American businesswoman who says, leaders must wake people out of inertia. They must get people excited about something they've never seen before, something that does not yet exist. That is a quote on innovation and also about inertia. The number to call, 030-221-6541. Are you listening to the show tonight? What area of improvement are you looking for? Are you excited about change, about improvement, about making the quality of your life better? And if you had the option to press a button and get things done, what kind of improvement will excite you? What kind of improvement will you be looking for? And that is a question that I would like you to answer. And let me take my first caller. Hello, good evening. Hello, good evening. Hello. Hello, Reverend Okran. Good evening, I'm sir. Suleiman. I'm Suleiman calling from Alajo. Suleiman, is there an area of improvement you're looking for? Actually, I'm looking towards my personal development as a student who has just graduated and looking for it to be my national service. I want to develop myself during my service period so that I'll come out with a better opportunity to be employed one day. All right. I've, uh, uh, one of my guests has a question for you, so hold on. Hold what did you study? I studied agric technology. Eric, if, Eric, if you had a chance to speak to to Suleiman for a minute, what would you tell him? For the first twelve months, which is going to be determined by the postings and whatever he finds, he needs to learn everything that he can about life outside of the program and in the working institution, but with a mind that innovation is going to have to take root and he has to contribute to that process. All right. Okay. All right. Thank you, Suleiman. I have my, my next caller. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. My name is Mark Into. I'm calling from Adenta. I would like to contribute to the program. Mark, go ahead and you have, you have a minute to make a contribution. Most especially where my prof, profession is on the seat and the contribution is up and to just contribute that I just came from Dubai and the experience was fantastic. My contribution is the fact personally I need to improve on my job and the little I contribute on my job would go a long way to affect the customer experiences that when they come to my organization I mean they will have that experience lingering on and would want to come back again and I just want to say that thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you, Mark. I, I believe that what you saw has inspired you to give more in also what, in what you are doing also. Seriously. And with Prophensen, um articulating them, I am going to do much more. Much, much more. And the whole world said, Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. Zero three zero two two one six five four one. You're talking about personal life improvement. What listening to the show tonight, we are talking about the fact that technology is an enabler, but what are you yourself trying to do? What kind of improvement are you looking for? Let me come back into the studio and ask my guests why are some societies more disposed to progress than others? Is it that some I mean, why are some societies more prone to making progress than others? Let me ask you, um Eric. You see, um, <clears throat> 
there was a vital five years of my life where I worked for Heineken International and did projects all over the world. Uh, I did not believe after that period that any society is disposed towards progress just out of uh, spontaneity, you know. I, I, I feel that there's always work going on to make people disposed towards change. And it is that work that sometimes I feel we are trying to use the verbal medium alone to put in place. But there is a persuasion model that depends on proof. You see, I always quote Isaac Osei when he was um, CEO of Coco Board in the previous, in the Kufour regime. It was after they made the 750,000 ton or whatever um, harvest that he gave his first press interview. And at that point, he explained that of everybody who said they had not heard from him and he has been shying away from media and so on, this was the reason. He wanted to deliver first. I believe that type of... Um, Minsberg has a book where he says managing quietly. Right. I think sometimes we need to be predisposed towards demonstrating the model we are talking about. And we need to put certain measures in place. And then we can engage on that. And just purely verbal debate all the time um, is not going to put in place a purposeful process towards what we want to achieve. And we need to do that. Next week, we'll be bringing, when we talk about business process improvement, and we started next week, we'll be bringing real-life examples of what people are doing in different countries that will make you open your mouth. And it's not like some of them are models that will be released next year. Some of them are actually in use. And we'll provide pictures of them. We'll provide videos that you can watch. We'll provide... This is, this is a journey you will enjoy. But let me come back into the studio as we wrap up. Professor Hinson, take us home on this point. Next year, our theme again is leveraging technology, um, um, strategy and technology. And we are saying that for an individual, for a church for a political party, for a university, for a family. If we are able to leverage these two things and let them work together, we will get things done faster, more efficiently, more conveniently, a better quality of life. How relevant is this discussion of smart solutions in building towards that team next year? So the Bible says, write it down, make it plain. It's very profound about write it down, make it plain. Habakkuk 2 verse 2. You see, perfect because Eric speaks about a model, a model. My question is, what is our model as some kind of mechanism for national development? The national front. The national front. Let's start the individual front. Okay. All right. Individual front. Absolutely. Speak to the issue of deliberateness. Absolutely. You are a very deliberate person. Absolutely. Take a minute to speak to the person out there, like the young man who called and said, I've finished university. I want to use the next one year to improve myself. That is it. In the next one minute, give me an idea about how deliberateness has helped you to become who you are today. Okay. So, my, the first for that young man, the first maxim will be apprenticeship before mastery. So the one year you shouldn't go and ask for big salaries or, or something to buy SUV. You should just focus on learning and getting strong. Then he must he must have a deliberate plan for his life, short, medium, long term. These things when you you say them, they sound almost hack like oh what are you saying? It's very real. Look, you must actually write it down, monitor it. <laughs> My goodness. Month by month, week by week, day by day, hour by hour. Look, before your week starts, your hours should have been fully converted to actionable delivery that you check off every day before you sleep. It's a very deliberate thing. Things popping along the way. But what you write down and measure is what really makes a difference to your life. So I think that strategy is always first. For me, strategy right. is first. And that's why in the sequence, it was strategy before, before technology. technology. Exactly. Right. And you must codify it right. just so that people can see it and run. And just so that you can have deliberate milestones for measuring progress. Otherwise, we talk a lot. I'm thinking that the day we have one unified plan broken down into ministerial priorities with quantifiable targets, all feeding into one plan. Again. Uh, okay, I like national. Okay, look, so, <laughs> so I, I just feel like if the macro works, an environment is created where we can all have something to aspire to. So individual matters. Family also matters. I mean, families should have very rigorous goals that they pursue. So that there's no looseness in the way you 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 you, you conduct yourself. Then, go from family to institutions or organisations. You have leaders who have codified visions as well that get measured. And let me also close with the fact that if you encounter 
challenges in the achievement of those goals. You have to be sincere enough to take corrective action early so that you don't make a shipwreck of your future. I think one of the problems is that we don't like to take corrective measures. And corrective measures. And one corrective measure I'm going to take is to give Eric Nsaku the last minute of this program. That's my senior. To wrap up for us. <laughs> leveraging strategy and technology. And by the way, let me greet Yao Nsaku, who has just joined us. Yao celebrated a birthday this week, I believe. That's right. Yao, God bless you so much. Have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful week and enjoy everything that you do. But Eric, take us home. Why leveraging strategy and technology? Why is this such an important theme for us in this discussion? You see, I think it is the only vehicle that is available currently. Mm -hmm. And we have to be sure that um, we have zeroed in on that fact that there's no more um, crusades to be fought. There's no more (laughs) colonial journeys to be embarked on. So the mobilization of trillions of dollars that will build civilizations like other nations did is only available through technology. And we see it through the world today that Amazon, Google, Facebook, Microsoft, these are the names that are mobilizing money. If we zero in on that fact, then we know for, we know that what is confronting us is reality. Three years ago, if somebody had told us where we would be today on mobile money, we would have said that the society is not predisposed to that. Right. Where we would be on smartphones, we would have said the same thing. Right. On data, we would have said the same thing. Electronic airtime, we would have said the same thing. Right. But there's a method. And when you go through that method, you are able to engage the heart of the society Indeed. and they mobilize themselves to be able to achieve what they've achieved. And the word is method. And one of the methods we have is to close the program at mm. this point. On behalf of Comfort Matthew and Amos and Priscilla, I, Matthew, Priscilla, and Amos. Matthew, Priscilla. Let me say thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you to Eric and Saku and Robert Ebohinson for joining us tonight to lay the foundation for this discussion. It will continue next week and we'll run through it until we get into next year. Go check out the podcast for the message. Giant killers, waymakers and giant killers that was put on the podcast yesterday. And very importantly, this whole month of September, as part of Smart Solutions, every day on the podcast, you will get a message on personal branding. It's a whole month experience on the comfort of your phone. Every day, six minutes of instruction for free. Just subscribe to the podcast Springboard Zone and it will come to you on the comfort of your phone. So we come away again next week. My name is Albert Okran. God bless you and good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert and E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233 Zero, zero, zero. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com, or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember you are blessed indeed. No more searching. The light has come.